0: Some folks don't stop till they find the truth. June's Journey is a Roaring Twenties murder mystery hidden object game. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today. Available on Android or iOS devices and on PC through Facebook games.
2: Good music is what we want to hear. What do you mean? Good music. It's what we dance to, what our children will dance to. And if you don't want to play it, then take your records and go home. You have a
1: band, good or bad? It's a great band, it's a bad band, it's like pizza, baby, it's good, no matter what, there's music in the, the air!
2: Players. With two people and two instruments, the Japan Droids create an explosive garage rock sound. I'm Greg Cott from the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim DeRogatis from WBEZ and Columbia
3: College. Brian King and Dave Prowse of Japan Droids join Greg and me on stage for a special live recording of Sound Opinions. Then later in the show, we review the latest albums from Green Day and The XX. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and now it's time for some music news.
1: It's
2: Yes, EMI, one of the big four record companies in the world, is in the news big time this week. It has merged with the Universal Music Group. That merger was approved by both the European Union and the Federal Trade Commission. This has been going down for the last year. They've been looking at these two entities, whether or not it was okay for them to merge. They have now said, yes, go ahead, create the biggest music company in the (laughs) world. Forty percent of the market is going to be controlled by this one new entity now. Look at the bands and artists that are going to come under one roof now. We've got the Beatles and the Rolling Stones under the same label now. We've got U2 in there, Dr. Dre, Eminem, Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, Rihanna, Taylor Swift, Marvin Gaye, Nirvana, the Beastie Boys. Huge power consolidated under one roof. Why is that a bad thing? Bad thing because, Jim, the game now is licensing, you know, allowing these new technology startups to get going by licensing your music to them. One of the justifications that these organizations used in allowing this merger is that they needed to have some leverage. These record companies needed to have some leverage when they were going up against the big technology companies like Google and Facebook and Apple. But what about the startup technology companies? Mm. You know, in order to get going, Spotify, Pandora, they had to get agreements From these labels to license their music to them in order to get going to get a foothold and that's all well and good but any new startup any new innovator out there is going to have a more difficult time getting approval from the major labels because it is so consolidated now you know Greg I think the thing that's
3: extraordinary is that when we started our careers as music journalists in the mid 80s there were more than a
2: dozen major labels and now we're down to three yeah it's extraordinary Jim. Uh, It should be noted that as part of this deal, in order for it to go through, there were some assets that they said they had to divest themselves of in order to merge. So Coldplay, David Getup, Pink Floyd, Depeche Mode, the Ramones— they're going to be sold off to some other record company. One of the European trade commissioners was saying, we hope one of these indie labels will be able to buy them to sort of equalize the playing field a little bit.
3: Like Merge or Bloodshot Records are going to have Pink Floyd Right, now. like
2: you're, you're going to fess up tens of millions of dollars to come up with a Coldplay. You've got a good feeling that Sony or Warner is going to end up with one of these catalogs.
1: gangnam star Gangnam
3: Oh Greg, you've heard that song. I know it. I know you love that song. That is Gangnam Style by the South Korean rapper Psy. Come on, do the dance with me, okay? <laughs> Can you do the right dance? now, yeah. Can you do the dance? Why, why are we talking about this? Well, we did a show in June about K-pop, Korean pop that is beginning to take over much of Asia and is broaching <laughs> Europe and the U.S. And now we have, I think, the biggest example yet of a huge K-pop hit here in the U.S. This rapper Psy has just made a Guinness Book of World Records entry for the most likes on YouTube ever at about 2.2 million. He has beaten out LMA FAO, Justin Bieber, (laughs) Adele, and Justin Bieber's manager has just signed up Psy to make him a superstar. If you are one of the three people on earth who has not been exposed uh, voluntarily or otherwise to Gangnam Style yet, one of the ironies here is that this is a rather short rotund Korean rapper rapping about an area of Seoul, South Korea, a neighborhood known as Gangnam. He said in an interview, and this is just a priceless quote, Gangnam is a territory in Seoul. I describe it as noble at the daytime and going crazy at the nighttime. I compare ladies to the territory. So, noble at the daytime, going crazy at the nighttime? As my lyric says, I am the right guy for the ladies like that. <laughs> this, I, you know, I, I can't figure out if this is serious or a complete spoof, but in any event, it is really bringing K-pop into the U.S. consciousness in a major way. I think, Greg, you know, this is going to be the next big thing.
2: Listening to Sound Opinions, and that's a bit of the track "The House That Heaven Built" by Japan Droids. Jim, I mean, listen to that roar! I yeah. love that sound. It's hard to believe it's only two guys making that sound. We're talking about guitarist Brian King and drummer David Prowse, who formed Japan Droids in 2006 in Victoria, Canada. Now, at first, they had trouble gaining notice. Music fans around Vancouver knew them for those energetic live shows, but it wasn't until they released that debut album, Post Nothing, and it took off on the internet that the wider music world started to pay attention. Now, the follow-up to Post Nothing, called Celebration Rock, came out earlier this year, and it made my list of the best records of 2012 so far. Celebration Rock was a buy-it for
3: me, too, Greg. Now, back in July, you and I hosted Japan Droids at a sold-out taping of Sound Opinions presented by Maker's Mark at Chicago's Lincoln Hall. Fans got to hear Japan Droids play live, and we got to ask Brian King and David Prowse some questions. Now, if you were in the Sound Opinions audience, you already know this was a, how shall I say it, contentious interview. Brian, the guitarist, seemed to be doing his darndest to undermine the stereotype of that polite, accommodating Canadian. But I think the conversation is revealing of what it's like for bands in the contemporary indie scene. You know, they don't know if that internet fame is around the corner. They don't know if they can pay their rent much longer. They don't know how long the buzz is going to last. We're bringing you that conversation today, along with some cuts from Japan Droids live performance. Let's say hello to the Japan Droids. Brian King and David Prowse, welcome to Sound Opinions. Bye. Bye. Fellas, we want to start at the beginning, which means we're going to Victoria Earth? Island. No, 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 not that far. Oh, okay. Can we start in Victoria? Yeah, we can. Uh, I got to go there a couple of years ago on vacation, and it is. Did you go to the Wax Museum? I did, and I went to the Miniatures Museum, and did I you go had to high tea. The Chamber of
4: Horrors? Uh, no, no, yeah. I had high tea at the Fairmont, though. Ah. that's like saying I went to Disneyland, but I didn't go to Space Mountain. Oh, I'll have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. What a David Lynch kind
3: of beautiful place, right? It is scenically wonderful. It is somehow stuck in the age of Victoria, the Queen, right? How does such wonderfully ugly music? come from such a beautiful, idyllic place. Do you say we
4: make ugly music? (laughs) Wonderfully ugly. In the best way. Yeah, but that's like... Is that like a backhanded compliment? No, (laughs) that's a full front-handed compliment, brother. (laughs) It Uh, seems
3: like a strange place. It seems like uh, a strange place for you guys. I'm too insulted to answer that question
1: seriously.
2: (laughs) You've been enjoying the Maker's Mark backstage, haven't you? I have, but at the same time, I'm, uh, there I don't was think there's anyone in this room who would, uh, you know, I don't know.
4: When you say ugly, uh, I think of uh, a uh, a classic uh, single by Canadian legends, Age of Electric. Wow! Oh, all right. So for all you Americans out there, that might be a pretty obscure reference. They later went on to be known as Limb Lifter. Ugly is... Uh, massive 90s uh, Canadian single
5: the chorus of which is All I See Is Ugly Anyways, we we need to move Moving on. on. We, need to are, move on. Right. we need to move brilliant. on. Oh, we need to oh, we all have
4: something to download tomorrow. How does such Until brilliant, brilliant wonderful, right. ex- exquisite on. delightful
3: music come from this place? That's I, mean, I, I, of, all right. I think
5: there's a. I mean there's a lot of wonderful music coming from Victoria. Uh you know, when there were a lot of local bands playing in Victoria when we were when we first both moved there that were really inspiring to us. Bands like Atlas Strategic, Run Chico Run, Frog Chat. Eyes, Chet. think we've directly ripped off any of those bands but they were definitely very inspiring to us you know as as bands that were kind of real people that we you know would run into around town and stuff who were who were making really great music so but
3: i've seen you guys complain in interviews that there was no support system no places to play
5: well that's in vancouver that's Mm -hmm. that's victoria's not that much better but vancouver vancouver i mean there's a lot of there are a lot of good bands in vancouver but it's a really difficult place to make music there's a lot of uh You know for us we can look back on all the venues we've played and i would say 75 percent of them are closed now at least Mm. um you know it's just there's not a long life to most venues especially venues that cater to local bands you know i mean the venues that are larger that cater to big touring bands maybe they can stay afloat but uh the local scene in vancouver is much uh it's uh constantly under duress so
2: that's depressing It is, yeah. You talk about so many good bands coming from that part of the, the world, and you guys in particular, I'm struck by the fact that you guys were... When I first saw you after the first record came out, I'm going, these two guys are giving everything they've got. I mean, was that the way you guys were performing in Vancouver and nobody cared? Why weren't people more passionate about you guys early on i mean do you have any sense of that now that you're looking back on it three years later
5: i mean we're still somewhat confused why people are coming to our shows (laughs) right now (laughs) we we roll with it it's cool
4: (laughs) it's a really uh given the fact that any city i don't think vancouver is exclusive to this i think any city where you're i mean if you live in brooklyn you have like a higher than above average of kind of getting noticed if you start a band and you start playing shows maybe you live in London maybe you live in LA maybe you live somewhere like that you could live in a place like Vancouver I mean there's no one watching Vancouver you know people are going to know about you outside the city you have to do something to earn that you can't just play great shows like it needs you need more than that and um, I know I think we felt mm-hmm. since the early days we were playing great shows but that was never enough and uh, we we always played the same way. We From our very first show we ever played for anyone, we always played like it was the last show we were going to play, and it was like, you better leave it all on the stage, or you're not doing a good enough job. But at home, that's, that's not enough.
2: You're listening to a special taping of Sound Opinions live at Lincoln Hall in Chicago. Japan Droids joined us on stage for a conversation and a live set. This is the song Evil's Sway, by the Japan Droids, live on Sound Opinions. ¶¶
3: Japandroids playing evil sway at Sound Opinions Live at Lincoln Hall in Chicago. Coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, more talk and music from Japan Droids. Then we'll have reviews of new albums from Green Day and another set of indie heroes, the XX.
1: want go
3: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and that's a bit of the song "Rockers East Vancouver" by Japan Droids. In July, Japan Droids joined Greg and me for Sound Opinions Live, sponsored by Maker's Mark. The duo played a live set for our fans at Chicago's Lincoln Hall, and Greg, you and I had a chance to ask
2: Brian King and David Prowse some questions. Yeah, Jim. One question I knew I wanted to pose to the Japan Droids had to do with the song we just heard, "Rockers East Vancouver." It's from their debut album, Post Nothing. In the song, Brian and David are singing about the Vancouver music scene they came up in. They saying This scene has gone bad. We kept waiting, but still nothing changes. Now, a few years into playing these great live shows in Vancouver, it still didn't seem like the band was going to go anywhere. In fact, by the time the Japan Droids got around to releasing Post Nothing in 2009, they'd already decided to end the band. So I asked Brian and David about their reasons for releasing Post Nothing even after they decided to call it quits. I mean, the story is that you sort of viewed it as this is going to be our farewell. Is that true? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thing. We're going to have to document this somehow. Yeah, I we mean, like I mean,
4: we recorded that record, and after we finished recording that record, the only thing we really uh, kind of like we had a couple of things that we wanted to do before we quit. We were going to put out the record, play a couple of more shows that were going to be the biggest shows we've ever played, So it wasn't a negative thing at all. It was just kind of like, no one's interested in the band. That's cool. It was our first band. Let's end the band now on a high note. Stay friends, maybe start other bands and go from there. Played the last couple of shows. Tried to put the record out ourselves. And it just so happened that at the exact moment that our shows were done, we had no more shows booked and we had no more practices scheduled. was the exact moment that on the internet the record just kind of took off.
3: It exploded. So. It, it took on a life of its own. Post Nothing became a huge buzz. Were you surprised by that?
5: Uh, I mean, the certainly. People I mean, we were. I mean, you know, we were proud of that album. It was the best thing that you know we had ever done. But you know, when we made that record and we were planning to, I mean, we were planning to press 500 copies of it, and we weren't sure if we were going to sell 500 copies. You know, so to go from that to all of a sudden having all kinds of Websites and magazines writing about your band. That was a pretty big shock. It wasn't like we were, like, expecting that to happen yeah. by any well, means. Well, did
3: that create pressure? Because it's been a long wait now uh, until the new album, Celebration Rock. I've seen in interviews you guys say you don't write a lot of songs. You're not really prolific. Everything you write, you play on stage. You
4: hate recording. But uh, but was it tough to follow up this record everybody was excited about? Hate's a strong word. I wouldn't say... Well, I wouldn't say we hate. I would say more like... I got it right here. It says, I hate being
3: in the studio. Yeah. It's, just, yeah. we've all it's an ugly hate, place. Hey, I hate ugly, being in the studio. Ugly, hate... Hey, what else? It's in Pitchfork. We've all, hey,
4: we've all had a few drinks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I would say it's more just like... There, I think there's a lot of bands who, um, you know, they work hard to, to write songs, record the songs. And uh, touring and playing live and performing the songs to people that's like secondary that's like what they not dread but it's like that's not what they would like to do if circumstances were ideal i think we're kind of the opposite where it was sort of like we feel at home on the stage we feel at home performing for people and uh, in the studio where there's no one watching and there's no one to perform for uh, it's just like an awkward sort of like environment to like exist in and it's hard to go into a studio when you're your idea of recording is a. Uh, what we want on our record is us performing this song at the best show of the whole tour. That's like what we want to put on the record. Yeah. And yet we have to go into a room and uh, with nobody and uh, somehow get that out of ourselves.
1: Lit up tonight
3: you ever consider recording live mc5's
4: first album i mean album. Like, in all fairness uh, yeah i mean like we tried that we've tried recording live uh ourselves we're we're less spectacular live on recording than <laughs> we think we are when we're playing live for we people sure think, yeah so, we think
5: those shows sounded great yeah <laughs> and then we listen to them back Sober, not so great and uh, yeah
4: but uh I we, mean, our records. We, we are, know what that's like. They're yeah. essentially live records. And, you know, yeah. like we, we go into a room and we play the song together until we get something that we really feel captures as close to that as we think we're going to be able to capture. And then we sing over top. And then uh, that, that's it. It's super simple. It's really, like, very plain.
3: You're listening to a special taping of Sound Opinions live at Lincoln Hall in Chicago. This song is Fire's Highway from Japan Droids Live Set.
2: Fires Highway by Japan Droids. They performed that track at Sound Opinions Live at Chicago's Lincoln Hall. Now Jim, as we've heard, Japan Droids have a complicated relationship with their hometown of Vancouver. Case in point, they actually started recording their new album Celebration Rock in the city, but finished the job in Nashville. So, ask David about why.
5: I think we we'd spent so much time on the road, you know, touring for a long time on uh, on Post Nothing. You know, we basically hadn't been home in a year and a half. To some extent, I think we were both excited to be home for a bit and kind of be stationary. But as soon as we got home, we realized how foreign that felt. I mean, Vancouver will always be home to me, and and it's a it's a special place for me. But it wasn't as inspiring as it once was, and and it was difficult to all of a sudden, after being on the road for so long and constantly being stimulated, constantly meeting new people and and seeing new places, to all of a sudden come back. And you almost felt like you were in a time warp, like none of that had ever happened, and you were just back in your old life. So Nashville was kind of our way. You know, we were really dead set on recording at The Hive in Vancouver, but we just needed to kind of do something a little bit different and, and just decided to go somewhere that we had been to before that we were pretty fascinated by and found pretty inspiring, but at the same time was somewhere where we didn't know a single person. So there's no distractions. You know, there's just... The two of us in a house with um, just terrible soundproofing. (laughs) Uh, It was really fun. If
4: anyone out there is thinking of buying soundproofing from Home Depot for your own house, it doesn't work. The cops will still come. Yeah, we wrote like the first half of the record took us six months to write in Vancouver. And the second half took six weeks in Nashville, if that.
1: Hearts to rain. It's never a prairie, but you weren't wary You took my hair Through the cold, piss and rain Dressed to the night
3: You know, that, that business of, of going someplace different to get in a different mindset. One of the things that I've found strange about Celebration Rock is all these rock critics comparing it to the replacements, which didn't make a lot of sense to me. The movie featuring Keanu Reeves? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't understand what they were talking about.
4: Uh, is Keanu the quarterback in that movie? I think so. That's yeah, that's I was the quarterback s- of my high school a- football team.
3: God-awful. Were you? <laughs> were you now?
4: That's a bad Were you? <laughs> really? More or less. <laughs> <laughs> They even play football in Canada. Please, yeah. All right. <laughs> it's just not like gonna lead you to uh, fame and fortune like it will in America.
3: I saw this brilliant quote from one of you guys, and I'm sorry I don't. My lifestyle which determines one. my death style. No. Oh. It was Good about quotes. It was about you. You thought that the replacement. I'm madly
4: in anger with you.
3: <laughs> now we gotta air okay, this, okay, man.
4: Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> saying I have better quotes than you. That's all I'm saying.
5: Oh my God. <laughs> You guys, you guys got
4: a special thing going on.
5: <laughs> we did yeah, it. Jesus.
3: It's very important that this oh, be documented. Right. <laughs> I'm telling you, I like this quote you said right, about right, the replacements. Continue. You know, uh, the, part of the magic of those songs of the replacements came from them being these guys from Minneapolis who'd never seen anything but Minneapolis St. Paul and being in that van and crossing America, and those experiences were literally poured into those songs. And it resonated with me when uh, when Dave was talking about going to Nashville and something happening there being somewhere different than home. Is that the connection with the replacements everybody keeps
4: grasping for? I think it's more just like we ripped them off. <laughs> like It does not. Celebration Rock does not sound like the replacement. No, I mean, no, of course it doesn't. But it's a, it's a subtle stealing of... Uh, Thoughts and emotions and ideas. I don't know. Did they ever leave Minneapolis-St. Paul and record a record somewhere else because they just had well, it Well, no, they, they,
3: they toured nonstop. And those records are kind of thrown together while they were on the living in that van. Let's give the drummers something. Does it make sense to you, this replacement's <laughs> BS?
5: It's an incredibly difficult thing to do uh, when you're in a band to pinpoint your influences and pinpoint where certain ideas come from. You know, we're both... Tremendously big fans of the replacements, and we think they're a great band. We're not as good as them, <coughs> so
2: it's a bit weird to be compared to a band like that. But what I love about this record, with well, many things, but uh, there's clearly two sides to the record the, that up tempo energy you get in the first half, the more introspective stuff on the second half. You guys are partying like there's no tomorrow on yeah. the first side, and the second side, you're going, Well, what if there's no tomorrow? <laughs> you know, and I think. There's something that comes from being not 19 anymore. You know what I mean? It's a little bit of an, an understanding of how the world works. And I'm wondering if that was a little bit of, this could be our last shot, too. You never know. We uh, we plan short-term. We don't plan long-term.
4: As ridiculous as it sounds, uh, this is the seventh year that we've been in a band together, which is longer than a lot of other bands, even classic bands, even together. Yep. So... uh you know, it's, it's kind of like a one-year, one tour, one thing at a time. So,
2: Did it did it change your, your approach home. at all to, to writing when realizing that people are actually going to listen this time?
4: I mean, I think we treated Celebration Rock the same way we treated Post Nothing, which is if this is the last thing we're ever going to do and we're in a band together and we've been in a band for this long and, like, this is the last thing we're going to do, let's make sure this is the best thing we're ever going to do so that, you know, if that's it, there's no regrets. We uh, we said we couldn't possibly do better than that. We did made a better record than a lot of other records. Like, what do you want? What do you want from us? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and, uh, and then if uh, if we uh, if we decide to call it quits or uh, I don't know, we uh, die on tour. It's like we did what we could.
3: Thank you, Brian King, David Prowse, Japan Droids. Thanks for being on Sound Opinions.
4: Uh, all right, we don't have a lot of time. So this is another song off our new record. It's called Younger Us.
3: Younger Us by Japan Droids. Japan Droids is drummer David Prowse and effervescent guitarist Brian King. They performed that track during a special live taping of Sound Opinions at Chicago's Lincoln Hall. To see video of Japan Droids' performance at Sound Opinions Live, go to soundopinions.org. And we want to hear from you. Leave us a comment about Japan Droids or anything else on your mind at 888-859-1800. Coming up after a quick break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX Green Day gives us album number nine. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and that is a song called Oh, Love, which is the first single from the ninth studio album by Green Day called Uno with the exclamation point, Greg. Why is it called UNO? Because Green Day is giving us three albums in a row. They went into the studio uh, quite a few years after their last record, 21st Century Breakdown, and they kept writing songs. They apparently have some 40 of them. They're going to divvy them up over three albums in a row, uno, dos, tres, and each of the three members' faces on the cover of those subsequent releases. The face on the cover of UNO is Billy Joe Armstrong, the longtime leader of the band, the guitarist, the main songwriter. Boy, they have come a long way since the early 90s when they started out playing basement shows in Berkeley and VFW halls. From that most underground of roots, they have become a mega arena band. What are they giving us musically on the first of these three albums to come? Let's play a track. It's going to actually be the second single. It's called Kill the DJ by Green Day on Sound Opinions.
2: the dj from green day their new album called uno the first in more than a decade it should be pointed out jim that isn't a rock opera or associated with a broadway play those 10 million people that bought dookie back in 1994 they're probably going to be really happy about this record because a lot of the reports have been that this is a return to that more stripped down pop punk sound that you were referring to 12 songs nine of them are under four minutes yes they are getting back to basics in some ways But it should also be pointed out that a song like Sweet Sixteen probably wouldn't have existed back then. That's a song that's very much a product of the good riddance, time of your life, ballad era, Green Day era. The acoustic guitar Green Day. Exactly. And I also hear a lot of touches of the American Idiot. 21st century breakdown period where they were writing these bigger arena-sized anthems. They're a little bit more serious. Even though they're they're trying to be snotty and bratty here, they don't quite pull it off completely. They're a little bit more in that more adult, mature, looking-at-the-world well, mode that they were in. Except for the fact kids. that they're cussing more than like a, a union meeting at a truck stop. Well, sure. And again, that's an affectation, I think, back to those earlier days. But I don't think they're ever going to get back to the Dookie era. I mean, you hear a song like Kill the DJ, and that's kind of a transparent attempt at sort sort of playing with the formula, doing that little disco gallop in there. I don't generally like the idea of bands doing the Back to Basics record at this (laughs) period of their career. Not when
3: they're so far removed from Basics.
2: I know there were some people who didn't like American Idiot or 21st Century Breakdown. I actually thought it was a sign of of, of real progress in the band, of trying to do something different, doing it well, being a little bit more ambitious in the songwriting, the arrangements, and also the content. And I see this really as a step back for the band. I know those Dookie fans are going to love it, but I don't. It's a Trash It record for me i got to say this is a huge disappointment,
3: Greg. Look, we cannot fall into this trap of authenticity in terms of, you know, are they punk anymore? That's the silliest argument in the world. Look, if the Ramones could have sold as many records as the Beatles, we would have applauded that. They tried. They just didn't get there. Green Day sold 10 million copies of American Idiot, and it was a great record musically and lyrically. They don't have anything to sing about anymore, and they have become mega rock stars to the point where we just witnessed a very sad public breakdown at a big corporate radio festival by Billy Joe Armstrong, and then he's in rehab. You know, I don't care about any of that. I don't care about the Broadway play. I care that they recorded 40 songs that they're divvying up like Kiss or Van Halen (laughs) over three albums, and maybe 10 of these songs are good. But boy, that song we just played... Kill the DJ, that is one of the worst pieces of garbage I've ever heard out of this band. I would give it a trash it except for the three or four moments with Rob Cavallo, their original producer, back, you know, making it sound good. If, if we put those on the pre-Dookie records, just mixed them in and gave them to a kid, they wouldn't be able to tell the difference. For those moments, i give it a, a burn it, but Green Day ain't really Green Day anymore.
2: That is Angels from the new XX album Coexist, the second album from this London-based trio. Band formed in 2008 actually goes back even further than that with Oliver Sim and Arumi Madley Croft meeting when they were 15 years old in high school in England. They added two other members. Jamie Smith is the one holdover, so it's now a trio with Sim, Croft, and Smith together in the band. And their debut album came out in 2009, self-titled hugely praised record ended up winning the Mercury Music Prize in 2010 in England as the year's best album and now the follow up we have coexist let's play a track from it it's called chained from the xx on sound opinions i wish you
1: breathing and i wish you stop only for long enough
2: long enough
3: Was chained from the second album by the XX on Sound Opinions. The record's called Coexist. Greg, we had him live on the show, and we were big fans of that first record. I'll tell you this if you love that first record, you know, you're going to love this record pretty much because uh, it ain't that different. <laughs> I think one of the best lines I saw was from a British critic who said it's like a series of Mark Rothko paintings. Yep. You know, they're all just black squiggles on white canvases. And if, you might like that one a little better than this one, right? They did talk a lot in interviews about how they paired back the sound, which seems like, you know, this was a minimal sound to begin with. And mm-hmm. they're pairing it back even further. It took me a while to find the charms on this record because, for one thing, I'm not as big a fan of Sim as a vocalist as I am of Romy Madley Croft. I wish she sang all the time. I do like that moody, introspective, you know, recorded in the middle of the night in a big closet kind of sound that they have. But it struck me, you know, Young Marble Giants was a post-punk band in the U.K., That was a trio, that was extremely minimal, that did this sort of thing better. Because at the end of the day, it wasn't just about sonic mood. There were great songs. And we've seen Young Marble Giants, covered by everybody from Courtney Love to a million other garage bands, doing a lot with the song because the song was great. I don't know if any of these songs stand up as great songs for me. I continue to like what they're doing, but I
2: can't give it a buy it. I have to say this is a burn it record. Well, I disagree with you about Sim being extraneous as a vocalist. I, think, I knew you would. I think the whole band is based on the interplay between those two voices, Sim and Medley Croft, singing back and forth to each other. So, yes, I think there are great songs on this record, Jim. It's extremely subtle. But I also think in stripping everything back, and it is stripped back from the debut album, which seemed impossible, as you said (laughs) at the time, but it is very spare. The the trebly guitar, just a hint of bass. I love what Jamie Smith is doing with just little hints of percussion. It reminds me a little bit of the Weekend record, sort of a a left-field R&B record in some ways. Very subtle, very understated. But that record is so much more tuneful than this one. Oh, the, the tunes are there. But it's so understated. Oh, that's what I should do before we review it. I should listen. Yeah, listening would be a good thing. It's so understated. I think it's the perfect record for the earbud era that they've created. I think it's a great record. I give it a buy-it rating all the way.
3: All right, a buy-it from Greg. Hey, burn it
2: for me for the XX coexist. What do we have on the show next week, Greg? Next week, Jim, we are going to help a needy musical patient. We're going to become the rock doctors again.
3: Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. A special shout-out to Makers Mark, Lincoln Hall, and Adam Yaffe for the live event. Sound Opinions is produced by Robin Lynn, Jason Saldana, and Annie Minhoff. And our fearless leader, our executive producer, Tori southside Malatita, You had to see him doing the Gangnam Dance to the Japandroids. <laughs>
1: Time that I phone, bus is the longest talker I ever known. fast bus, bus, I've been trying hard to reach him all day. Bus, when I get him, I forget what to say.
3: On sound opinions, everyone's a critic, so now it's time to hear what you have to say. Bus, bus, I decided that
1: this woman is true. Can it
0: be true? That it is winking, I can believe it. Wait till I say hello. New messages.
2: Hey guys, this is Michael from Chicago. I heard you guys were doing another Buried Treasure show. I got really excited just so I could call you up and tell you about this band I've been enamored with for the last year. But then about halfway through the show, uh, you guys up and played them on me. So it uh, seems like you don't need my help, but that's cool. The band I'm talking about, Nashville with the Black Bells. first heard about these girls when uh, I heard that Jack White was producing a band of goth chicks that played 60s surf music. My uh, interest was peaked, to say the least. But then, when I did a little research on them, found out that they served as the backing band for Stephen Colbert's musical project, as well as they played the theme song for Elvira, Mistress of the Dark's late night TV show. So, this is a band I had to go out and see for myself, and they do not disappoint. uh, for these witchy ladies have to offer in the future until then uh, keep up the good work and uh, see you at the shows
3: Hi, uh, this is Andrew Adair from New Jersey and I just called to thank you guys for turning me on to LP uh, with your show tonight (laughs) I bought the uh, record right after listening to it I've been sampling William Burroughs' music for about his voice in my music for about 20 years and uh, I just had to, <laughs> I had to like how they, uh, you know, LP had
2: done it as well. And much better than myself, I might add. This
1: is War to Extermination. Fight cell by cell through bodies and mind screens of the earth. Souls rotten from the orgasm. Thrust shuddering from the ovens. Prisoners of the earth, come out. Storm the studio.
0: My name is Pamela West. I'm from Chicago, I'm calling about your interview with LP. I liked his spirit, his courage, particularly the bit where he said he must be generous with his inspiration and not to husband it for fear that inspiration is in limited supply.
3: For
5: me, LP's music uses
0: poetry and melody in such a way that illuminates this struggle in our daily lives that we have all grown up High and low from a path that justifies cruel self-interest. But we aspire in our nature to dignity and nobility. Bravo. God's speed. Hello, my name is Ada Connors, this is the first time I've heard your program, and I think it's an abomination. Please don't call it music, it is not music. If you want to give these people a platform to say what they want to say, fine, but don't call it music. Thank you very much for listening. No more messages.
2: To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.
0: Some folks don't stop till they find the truth. June's Journey is a Roaring Twenties murder mystery hidden object game. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today. Available on Android or iOS devices and on PC through Facebook games.